بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا آمين Today in the book Hasn al-Muslim in this series of du'as and dhikr that we're doing we're doing a very interesting du'a which is pertaining to going to the masjid du'a al-dhahabi ila al-masjid the du'a that one would say when they go to the masjid now going to the masjid is something which a believer wants to do regularly because the believer's heart naturally gravitates towards the masjid to a place that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and sadly yeah it's true that um, some masajid they make it very difficult for us to gravitate towards them in the way that they deal with the people that want to attend the masjid or it could be the case that they're far away from the sunnah they have too much bidah with them however uh, regardless of that the natural state of the believer is that they want to be as much as possible around the masjid especially if a masjid has lots of activities whereby they're teaching the community and they have activities connected to the sunnah activities whereby they're uh, doing community events etc so this is something which makes us uh, become attached to the masjid the prophet وسلم, he said in the hadith in bukhari that there will be seven categories of believers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would shade them on the day of judgment when the sun is close and it's a, a cause of punishment to so many people but these seven types of believers, seven categories of believers will be under a shade of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we say the shade of Allah we don't mean it's Allah's literal shade whereby something is above Allah and that allows the shade to descend over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's throne. No, of course not. Nothing is above Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather, it means that this is a shade that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has specifically created for this special group of believers. So seven types of people, seven groups of believers that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create for them a special shade on the day of judgment to protect them from the harm of the sun being so close to the rest of the creation. One of these categories of people is as mentioned in the hadith رَجُلٌ قَلْبُهُمْ مُعَلَّقٌ فِي الْمَسَاجِدِ a person whose heart is attached to the masjids attached to the masajid right so this person every time they go to the masjid he or she goes to the masjid once they've left they can't wait to get back to the masjid they can't wait to experience that special worship again in the masjid they can't wait to spend some moments again worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the masjid their heart is attached to the masjid it's like a magnet drawing them back they've left however they're thinking or they're looking forward to once again leaving everything that they're doing if possible and getting to the masjid so they can worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Sahih Muslim the Prophet sallallahu mentions a hadith he said ahabbul bilad ila Allahi masajiduha wa abghadul bilad ila Allahi aswaquha the Prophet sallallahu said that the most beloved of places to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on this earth are the masajid and the most detested places to Allah on this earth are the markets because in the markets people are occupied with worldly matters and they forget to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and cheating etc takes place there so the hadith clearly says that the masjids the places where people go to single out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in worship to establish his tawheed and to establish his worship that is something which is loved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and men in particular they need to remember this next hadith that I'm going to quote and the women of the family, the mothers, the wives, they need to remind the men of the household to act upon this hadith if they are able to do so. And the hadith collected by Imam Ibn Majah, the Prophet said, 
man sami'a nida' falam ya'tihi fala salata lahu illa min 'udhrin that whoever hears the call to prayer from the masjid meaning that they are living in the vicinity where if there was no noise from car honking and uh, you know other types of noise if it was a quiet night and they were able to hear the call to prayer if they're in that vicinity then they have to respond to the call to prayer otherwise there is no prayer valid for them unless there was a valid sharia excuse so the prophet says whoever hears the call to prayer from amongst the men this is and they do not respond to that call of prayer by going to the masjid to pray there then their salah their prayer is not going to be valid unless they had a valid sharia excuse like for example they were sick that's a valid excuse for them not to have attended the masjid so because the masajid as we're coming to know just by looking at these few hadith that i mentioned are so beloved to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the acts of worship there are so beloved to allah and rewarded immensely then the dua that we're going to take about going to the masjid is very pertinent and very relevant so it's something that we should teach ourselves to say and to teach our uh, male children uh, especially and um, the males especially however the females are not losing out as we'll come to know in a few moments inshallah so anyway dua al-dhahab ila al-masjid the dua that is said once the person is going to the masjid and this dua it has many narrations uh, uh, different forms some of them found in Bukhari some of them found in Muslim and some found in other books of a hadith the one that we're going to look at is as follows the hadith it says Allah maj'al fi qalbi nura oh Allah put in my heart a light wa fi lisani nura and in my tongue a light wa fi sam'i nura and in my ears a light wa fi basri nura and in my sight put a light Women fawqi nura and put above me light Women tahti nura and below me light wa an yamini nura and on the right of me light wa an shimali nura and on the left of me light Women amami nura and in front of me light Women khalfi nura and from behind me light waj'al fi nafsi nura and put inside of me light wa addim li nura wa addim li nura and make uh, the, the amount of light that you give for me great waj'al li nura and give me light waj'al li nura oh Allah give me light Allah ma'ati nura, O Allah give me light Waj'al fi asabi nura, O Allah Within my cells, within my body, place light Wa fi lahmi nura, and in my flesh, place light Wa fi dammi nura, and in my blood, place light Wa fi sha'ri nura, and in my hair, place light Wa fi bashri nura, and in my skin, place light Allah maj'al nura fi qabri O Allah give me light and illuminate for me my grave وَنُورًا فِي إِعْظَامِي And give me light in my bones وَزِدْنِي نُورًا وَزِدْنِي نُورًا وَزِدْنِي نُورًا O Allah, increase me in light, increase me in light, increase me in light وَهَبْلِي نُورًا عَلَى نُورًا And increase me in light upon light This hadith, the first statement Allah مِجَالْ فِي قَلْبِ نُورًا O Allah, put in my heart light, place in my heart an illumination أي نور الإيمان في قلبي وشرح للإسلام صدري O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Give me the light of faith, the light of belief in my heart and make my chest, uh, make Islam easy to enter into my chest. Meaning, make it easy for me to live upon Islam. So first and foremost, give me the light of Iman in my heart and make Islam easy to enter upon me, easy for me to hold on to. So to have faith and to have Islam enter into our lives and to hold on to Islam is something that we should be concerned with. Is something that should be, uh, you know, make us understand how valuable the gift of faith is 
as we compare it to our life with the absence of faith as we think about how beautiful life is with Islam we should be so concerned not to lose it we should be concerned all the time that how do I keep it how do I increase in it in fact if I can't increase in it how do I at least preserve it this should be the concern of the believer daily Ali Imran in Ali Imran the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu attaqullaha haqqa tuqatihi wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun O you who believe Allah is addressing people who already believe O you who believe have faith of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala have taqwa of Allah azawajal fear and consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala haqqa tuqatihi in the way that he deserves that you fear him and have consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa tumutunna illa wa antum muslimun and do not die except in the state of submission to Allah in set, except that you die as Muslims so this verse is reminding us that we have to be aware though we have iman we have to be super careful and we have to be fully aware that we should die in a state of submission to Allah meaning that Islam can leave us and it happens to many people okay and in fact the next hadith with the Prophet foretold the time that we're living in now he described it to us he said for example in the hadith in Sahih Muslim the Prophet said Badiru bil that race and hasten to do good deeds before a time comes upon you when there will be tribulations for your faith there will be trials and tests which will shake your faith and maybe lessen your faith like the darkness of the night it may be the case that a person gets up in the morning as a believer however by the time it's evening or nightfall then this person has become a disbeliever faith has left this person or a person gets up in the morning or a person reaches the evening as a believer however by the time they get up in the morning they are a kafir a disbeliever in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this person sells their faith for some measly gains of this world so faith leaving a person is a reality faith leaving a person is a reality that can happen and we have to seek Allah's protection from it that's why we beg Allah in this dua to give us light in our hearts to place it firmly, the light of Iman, the light of guidance, the light of Islam, firmly in our hearts. The Prophet ﷺ said in the next part of the hadith, وَفِلِسَانِ نُورَ O Allah, place in my tongue light. أي بِقَوْلِ الْحَقِّ وَالدَّوَامَ الذِّكْرِ وَعَدْمِ الْغَفْلَةِ O Allah place upon my tongue the truth, that I always speak the truth, and that I'm always following the truth, and that my tongue is continually making remembrance of you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that with this light that you place in my tongue it saves me from being neglectful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so when the tongue this this um, this tool that we have and and some of the Salaf they used to say something amazing they would say that this tongue is so dangerous that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed it between uh, behind two prisons behind the prison of the lips and behind the prison of the teeth because it's, if it's not used wisely and if it's not used correctly then it can harvest for the person a lot of sins and a lot of misguidance however when a person uses it in the correct way for speaking the truth and remembering Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then this person has a huge amount of reward so when the tongue is moist with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then there is less space for the whisperings of shaitan to enter upon the psyche uh, to enter upon the soul 
the thoughts and the heart of a person because when your your tongue is busy in remembering Allah whether that's in the things that you read whether that's in the way that you speak to people advising them to good and advising yourself to good whether that's in making the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reading the Quran uh, in your salah all of these things they keep you busy and they keep you busy with the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala therefore the opposite is also true that the whisperings of shaitan will not enter into our souls because this life is but a battleground for our soul what is going to keep our soul busy what is going to occupy our soul is it going to be the remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or is it going to be the absence of the remembrance of Allah azawajal? If it's the absence of the remembrance of Allah azawajal, then surely then the misguidance of it of shaitan of the devil will occupy our soul and our mind, and that's something that we want to avoid. So when we say wa filisani nura, Allah azawajal put in my tongue the the, the nur, the, the the light of iman and the light of faith, then this is what we intend by it. And then the Prophet sallallahu said wa fi nura, and in my hearing put light, the light of guidance. Ay asma' ma antafi'u bihi wa yasilu ila qalbi. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I beg you that I always hear that which I benefit and that that which I hear of benefit actually enters into my heart. Because sometimes you can hear a thing, it's beneficial, you're there, you're listening to the lecture or you're there listening to the Quran in the masjid or wherever, but it's not entering into your soul, entering upon your heart, impacting upon your heart because of the amount of sins that we have between us and the revelation of Allah Azawajal. The more we sin, the harder it is for the, the, the light and the guidance of Allah Azawajal to enter into our hearts. So we ask Allah Azawajal to put uh, the light of guidance in our ears so that it enters directly to our soul and to our heart. And sadly, how many of us we allow junk, all types of junk and all types of, all types of filth and nonsense to enter into our ears and from the worst of them being music and, and evil speech and then we complain about not having a good state of faith, not being able to experience the sweetness of faith. One of the main reasons is because we're always listening or we allow ourselves to listen to that which is despised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet then said, وَفِي بَصَرِي نُورًا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put in my sight the light of faith and the light of guidance. So sight is from the most valuable, obviously, of gifts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. It's the most valuable of gifts. Just imagine for a moment, if you were to close your eyes just for momentarily, you come to realize quickly how blessed you are to be able to see and not to live in perpetual darkness, not seeing the loved ones around you, not being able to see the beautiful creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not being able to read the beautiful books that you read, etc, etc. So sight is a blessing from Allah However, many people abuse this sight, this blessing, and they use it for other than the uh, worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, true sight is not the sight of the eyes. True sight is the sight of the heart and the soul, wherein the soul and the heart reflects upon the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reflects upon the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also, so that it increases the iman. So there are many that are able to see in the sense that they have sight, but they never see the guidance. They never see the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because the heart is blind. So the true sight is the sight of the heart. It either allows you to see or the heart is blind wherein people cannot see. For example, in Surah Al-Hajj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبْصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ قُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ Certainly, Allah subhanahu wa says, certainly it's not, these, it's not with your sight, it's not the sight that is blind, but rather it's the hearts of some people that is blind, that they cannot see. 
the revelation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when we say, Ij'al fi basri nura, Allah put in my sight guidance and, and a light, illuminate us with the guidance of Iman in our sight, we're asking Allah azawajal to allow us to see clearly the revelation and to see those things which bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to be able to reflect upon them with a good reflection. Allah azawajal reminds us that there will be people on the Day of Judgment in the midst of the so many horrors that are already there and such a fearful situation that there will be people in an extra state of fear. May Allah protect us from that. Why? Because they will be blind. They won't be able to see. And why will they be blind? Allah tells us in Surah Taha, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ فَإِنَّ لَهُمْ عَيْشَةً دَنْقَ وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى Whoever turns away from my remembrance, Allah says in Surah Taha, that this person will be, have a life where they never find tranquility and relaxation. وَنَحْشُرُهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ أَعْمَى And we're going to raise this person on the Day of Judgment blind. The person will say to Allah, قَالَ رَبِّ لِمَا حَشَرْتَنِي أَعْمَى وَقَدْ كُنْتُ بَصِيرًا The person will say, Allah, why did you raise me as blind? But in the world I was able to see, I had clear sight. So Allah says, because of the fact our, our um, signs they came to you the revelation came to you the ability to ponder upon Allah's creation came to you but you turned away from Allah's remembrance you forgot Allah's revelation so likewise today you will be raised as being blind so we ask Allah to give us light in our sight so that we can see clearly the revelation of Allah and when we see the creation, it causes us to reflect upon the magnificence and the beauty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then the dua continues and it mentions that, oh Allah, give me, give me light above me, give me light below me, give me light on the right of me, give me light on the left of me. So we're asking Allah to give us light from all of the directions. Why? Because shaitan's attack comes from all directions. In Surah Al-A'raf, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quotes the shaitan saying, I'm going to come to them, attack them from in front of them and from behind them. And from the right of them and from the left of them. And you will not find them. The majority of them, you will find them not to be from amongst those who are grateful. So shaitan's attack, attack of misguidance, it comes from all directions and in, and in all places. However, the one that is begging Allah for this light when they go to the masjid, then this person, by Allah's permission, will be protected from the attacks of shaitan and inshallah will be safe. Now, there's a very special hadith which gives further clarity to what we're talking about in this, in this dua, which is begging Allah for guidance uh, of light, begging Allah for the light of guidance uh, in every part of our body and in every direction that we walk. In the hadith in Bukhari, the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Man whoever, whoever harms a close ally of mine, meaning that whoever harms the one who is close to me in terms of their worship and belief, then I declare war upon that person. And Allah says, And my slave doesn't come closer to me with anything except that which I have made obligatory upon him or her. So the, the best way to come close to Allah is to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by fulfilling the obligatory deeds. And then the hadith continues, 
and then my slave continues to come close to me after fulfilling the obligatory deeds by doing the optional deeds and he continues to, to come close to me until I love that slave of mine and then when I love this slave of mine who does the obligatory deeds and continues doing the optional deeds then I become for this person the hearing by which the person hears meaning that everything that that person hears it's only going to the pleasure of Allah because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps this person upon guidance and I become the sight by which that person sees meaning that whatever the person sees it's only the pleasure of Allah the person won't be looking to that which displeases Allah and the hand I will be the hand of this person uh, reaching out to whatever that person reaches out to be meaning that the person will never reach out to that which is haram and I will be the legs or the feet by which this person walks meaning that only allowing this person to walk towards my pleasure and if this person was to ask me a dua I would give him and if the person was to seek refuge in me from any harm I would suffice, suffice this person from that harm so this hadith is clearly telling us that the person that fulfills the obligatory deeds and then continues to do the optional deeds is a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a close ally of Allah and when the person reaches this stage then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ensures that for this uh, male or female believer then that Allah always ensures that whatever that person is doing is only the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that which they see that which they hear that which they touch that which they walk to is only the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this person is truly blessed because they have the light of guidance in every single part of their body they have the light of guidance in all directions around them so this person lives a life which is truly blessed in the sense that they only see they only hear they only speak they only touch that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with so this person in their life they experience true pleasure and we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from them to forgive us our sins to overlook us our sins to increase us in faith and guidance and to make us from the description that we've just given some of the salaf some of the righteous predecessors they would say often as an expression of the beauty of the sweetness of the relationship that they experience between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for example Al-Imam Ibrahim Ibn Adham rahimallah this Imam this great Imam as mentioned in Hilyat al-Awliya, he would say, لو علم الملوك وأبناء الملوك ما نحن فيه من السرور والنعيم إذن لجالدون بسيوفهم لجالدون عليه بسيوف that had the kings of this world and the sons of the kings, meaning the princes, known the reality of what we are experiencing when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the reality of the sweetness and the enjoyment that we experience when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they would have drawn their swords to fight us for that meaning they would try to extract it from us with their swords so it's just an expression the imam is giving of that we are experiencing the most valuable thing that you can find in this world which is this pleasure when we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completely and to the best of our abilities there is a sweetness in the relationship that the believer has between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we ask Allah that he gives it to us ameen so the hadith, the dua that we're taking carries on and he says Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give me light and illuminate for me my grave because the grave is going to be a very dark lonely place as we know we should visit the graveyards to try to increase us in faith and to remind us of our eventual destination 
the more you look at a person being buried into the grave and you remind yourself that this is going to be my destination, the more you remind yourself that it's imperative that we stay upon guidance and that we seek guidance as much as possible. So this person who begs Allah for um, light in their grave, then this person's grave inshallah will be illuminated with good deeds, meaning the reward of the good deeds and also an illumination as a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it won't be a place of darkness and evil due to the evil that they committed in this life. We ask Allah to illuminate our graves. Ameen. <coughs> طيب, the next dua that we want to take today inshallah is the dua, the khulul masjid dua pertaining to entry into the masjid. The hadith it mentions when the person enters into the masjid they enter the masjid with their right foot and then they say I seek refuge in Allah the mighty and I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's noble face and in his complete authority which has always been there from the shaitan then you say Bismillah والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله peace and blessings upon the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam Allahumma aghfir li dhunubi aw Allah forgive me my sins waftah li abwaba rahmatik and open up for me the doors of your mercy so this is the dua that is said when you go to the masjid when you enter upon the masjid the first thing the prophet sallallahu mentioned in the hadith yabda'u birijlil yumna that the person when they enter the masjid they should enter with their right foot the right is what is used for anything of benefit and in anything of virtue right so for example when you go to the masjid you use your right foot when you come out of the masjid because you're coming back to the world you use your left foot because the world has no value in the sight of Allah when you go to the bathroom a place which is not clean you use your left foot instead of your right foot so the right whether it's the right hand or the right foot is using things of virtue and in fact, it's mentioned in the hadith in Bukhari from my mother Aisha radiallahu anha, the wife of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That in Bukhari, the Prophet sallallahu wife Aisha, she said that the Prophet sallallahu used to love, uh, used to love Nam using his right, whether it be for putting on his shoes or whether it be for combing his hair or whether it be for purification, starting with the right or whether it be in any of his affairs, meaning any of the affairs, any of the things which had virtue and value. So the person, they enter into the masjid with their right foot. Then they say, A'udhu Billah. They say, A'udhu Billah. Meaning that I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I run to Allah for refuge and I seek protection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A'udhu Billah Al-Azim. You say Al-Azim, one of Allah Azawajal's names. So this is a description of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah is Azim, the most mighty, the most great. Okay? Uh, there's nothing greater than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. La fi neither in Allah's being, nor in Allah's names and attributes, nor in Allah in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's actions. Imam al-Baghawi rahimullah, he said Al-Azimu al-Kabiru al-Ladhi la shay'a a'zamu minhu That the Azim is the one that there is none greater or more mighty than him subhanahu wa ta'ala So you say A'udhu billahi, a'udhu billahi al-Azim You seeking refuge in Allah the Azim So this name is appropriate at this point when you seek refuge in Allah and you use the name Al-Azim Because nothing is mightier or greater than Allah 
subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you say, biwajihihi, biwajihihi al-kareem, with the face of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most generous. So when we speak about the face of Allah we understand that this is an attribute of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and pertaining to the names and attributes of Allah we believe in them as they came in the Quran and the Sunnah and we understand them through the dictates of the Arabic language. We do not deny them as many misguided groups in Islam have denied because what these groups did, they said that if we say that Allah has a face, we are likening Allah to his creation and that's absolutely incorrect because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says clearly in the Quran there's nothing like Allah nothing compared to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala however he hears and he sees as an example Allah gave so whenever we imagine something to be like Allah if we do even imagine then Allah negates that reality that there's nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah does have attributes like a face how is that face? we have absolutely no idea the reality of that face but he does have a face how it is and its perfection, tafweed, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows that. So the point here, biwajihil kareem, and you seek refuge in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's noble face, okay? His noble face, which, and the nobility here means uh, full of generosity, full of nobility, etc. The, the word al-kareem, his face, which is al-kareem, noble and generous. So all of this is the first part of the dua that you say before you enter into the masjid. أعوذ بالله العظيم بوجهه الكريم وسلطانه القديم And we've come to the point now. وسلطانه القديم Meaning that his authority which has always been there. His supreme authority and control which has always been there from the beginning of time. لِأَنَّ مِنْ صِفَاتِهِ الْسُلْطَانَ الْمَنْصُوفِ بِالْقِدْمِ وَهُوَ الْأَوْلَ الَّذِي لَيْسَ قَبْلَهُ شَيْءٍ Because this, uh, this characteristic of Allah Azza wa Jal, this sifa of Allah Azza wa Jal, that he has sultah, that he has the sultan, then it's been there from the beginning of creation because nothing was there before Allah Azza wa Jal and nothing can overpower Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ And then you say, مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ From the shaytan. All of this, Seeking refuge in Allah from what? From the shaitan. <coughs> shaitan from the word ashatan. From the word ashatan, meaning al bird that which is removed far away. A ba'du anil khayr. It's removed far away from good. So the shaitan, he is removed far away from good. Min shaitan ar-rajim. Ar-rajim meaning a at-tarid al-mub'ad and rahmatillah. The one who is moved and, and caused to be far away from the mercy of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So one may ask, I'm entering into the masjid, I'm about to do a good deed. Why do I need to seek refuge in Allah from the, sh- from the shaitan? Well, because when you want to do the good deeds, like reading the Quran or praying or seeking knowledge, you don't want shaitan to come and whisper to you and to steal from the act of worship that you're doing. You don't want him to come to you and to make you start to show off. For example, pray a longer prayer because you want people to think that you're a virtuous person, that you're a righteous person or read the Qur'an in a more beautiful voice in front of people because you want people to think that you can recite in an amazing way. So you don't want any of these things to happen from the shaitan. That's why you seek refuge in Allah from the shaitan when you do these righteous acts of worship. So after having sought refuge in Allah, the person says, Bismillah. Al-ba al-isti'ana. The ba in the Bismillah, this first ba, is the ba al-isti'ana, the ba of seeking aid from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every action that the person does with Bismillah, the action itself is not mentioned. However, it's muqaddr. 
as we mentioned in the previous class, is estimated. It's there, but it's, it's kind of estimated or assumed, right? And what does the person mean in this situation? I'm seeking Allah's aid, entering upon the masjid so that I can have Allah's aid and help in being sincere, having ikhlas and qabul and having acceptance in the deeds that I do. Okay, bismillah, to the ba, it means I seek aid in Allah Azawajal, al isti'ana. Was salatu was salam ala Rasulillah. And then you say, Was salatu was salam ala Rasulillah. May Allah have peace and blessings and safety upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ay, usalli wa usallim hala dukhuli al masjid ala Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I say this when I enter upon the masjid because I know that this is from the times when it's highly recommended to send salah upon the Prophet and this enters into the general verse which Allah says Ya amanu, aw yuhu believe, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima aw yuhu believe, send peace and blessings upon the Prophet and when you say was salatu was salam ala rasulillah as salatu ala rasulillah it means it means that you are praising you are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to praise Muhammad sallallahu in the highest ranks, meaning amongst the angels. Okay? Like the great Imam Abu Aliya, he said, Salatullah thana'uhu alayhi in the malaika. That salah upon Muhammad sallallahu when you say Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, you are begging Allah to give salah upon Muhammad, which is that you praise, that Allah will praise the virtues of Muhammad sallallahu amongst the angels and others who are with him in the highest of companionship and when the malaika make salah upon Muhammad they are making the, the malaika the angels are making dua for the protection of of the Prophet Muhammad from any harm one thing to mention here when you make salah upon Muhammad it comes back to you in so many virtuous ways uh, you get reward first and foremost. Number two, you fulfill what the verse is saying. Oh, you who believe, send salah upon the Prophet Muhammad And thirdly, Allah Azawajal makes salah upon you. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sends upon you peace and blessings, because the Prophet said, "Man salatan sallallahu biha ashra." To whoever makes one salah upon me, then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala sends ten upon that person. So when you say Allah Muhammad wa ala Muhammad or any of the other variations of making salah upon the Prophet Muhammad then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends upon you 10 salawat from him. So the person after having said this says, Allahumma ghfilli dhunubi, oh Allah, forgive me my sins. And going to the masjid and partaking in the good deeds that are done in the masjid are from the best of ways to have one's sins forgiven. For example, in the hadith of Abu Hurairah anhu, the Prophet said, that the angels they continue to pray upon you as long as you are in the prayer place where you had prayed as long as you don't break your wudu so you've prayed and then you remain in the place where you prayed and your wudu is not broken then the angels they continue to seek forgiveness from you for you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah forgive this person and have mercy upon this person and one of you will continue to be in prayer as long as the person is in the masjid waiting for the next prayer to happen. And many of the scholars, they said that, for example, Shaykh Ibn Baz and Ibn Battal, they said that from the easiest of ways to have your sins forgiven is that if you're in the masjid, once you've prayed, you stay in your prayer place, making dhikr, and then the angels are making 
uh, dua upon you that Allah forgive this person, I will have mercy upon this person. Now, sisters may be thinking, hang about, brothers just be mentioning what the men will be doing in the masjid. And we know that it's difficult for sisters to go to the masjid many a time. Now, sisters will be amazed to know that in fact women get more reward if they pray at home rather than going to the masjid. Because we have the hadith in Abi Dawood narrated by the great Imam of hadith, Imam Abi Dawood, where the Prophet said, Don't prevent the female worshippers, the female slaves of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala going to the masjid. Of course, this has conditions. Uh, and their houses are better for them if they pray in their houses, right? Now what you need to think about and what you need to ponder on is that the Prophet ﷺ said this to his female companions at the time when they would have been praying with the Prophet ﷺ in the Prophet's masjid. So you can imagine the huge reward that they get for praying with the Prophet ﷺ in the masjid with the Prophet ﷺ. However, he said that it's better for them to pray in their houses. So when you pray in your house, you get the huge rewards that the men get, though they have to make the effort to go out there. You don't have to make the effort, you can just sit at home and pray. However, there will be times when it's good for you to go to the masjid. If there is a visiting scholar or something of that nature, then it's good for you to go to the masjid and to benefit from. Um, if the conditions are fulfilled, like you don't go out wearing perfume, you don't go out wearing alluring type of clothing, and, and the way to the masjid and the way back to the masjid is safe. So the person after saying this beginning du'a, okay, the person after saying the beginning du'a, أعوذ بالله العظيم بوجه الكريم وسلطانه القديم من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله Then the person says, Allah مفتح لي أبواب رحمتك oh Allah open up for me the doors of your mercy Open up for me the doors of your mercy And of course the masajid are a place where mercy is going to be gotten Sheikh Muhammad Mukhtar al-Shaqiti Hafidullah, may Allah preserve him in his explanation of Zad al-Mustaqni. He said, ذلك, And the meaning of this, That this masjid that I'm entering upon is the place where I'm going to get mercy. And it's not just one mercy, one type of mercy. That is because when you say, Oh Allah, open up for me the doors of mercy. Uh, then know that the doors of mercy are many. Then you're getting mercy due to the knowledge that you're seeking, the different types of knowledge, and you're getting mercy due to the different types of actions that you're doing also in the masjid. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us from those that try to learn these du'as, even parts of them, and try to implement them, and that are given success uh, for implementing them, and that can live according to their dictates. Ameen. Wa sallallahu Anything which was correct was from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and any mistakes and shortcomings were from myself and shaitan. If you have any questions then feel free.